Welcome to Senior Beat. I'm Christine Beatty. I'm the director of the Madison Senior Center, and my co-producer is Tom Frazier, the man of many hats. As you say. <laughs> As I usually say. Hi. <laughs> Glad to have you back. Glad to be back. Good. Great. And you've got a great guest today, too. Well, we, we do. Uh, and I'm really pleased to uh, that we have Donna McDowell on our show. And I, I just figured out that I've known Donna for at least 35 years. And uh, I knew her mostly as a director of the Wisconsin Bureau on Aging for all of those 35 years and probably a couple more that I wasn't around for. But Donna, who lives in Madison, has recently been named as the state president of AARP in Wisconsin. They couldn't have gotten a better. So they got somebody with a lot of experience. So I think we'll start, Donna, by asking, why did they want you? <laughs> Why did you want them? <laughs> no, seriously, tell us about yourself and all the experience that you bring sure. to AARP. Sure. Um, I've uh, been managing programs for the elderly and then more recently people with disabilities for 38 years, actually, in the state of Wisconsin, and sometime before that in Pennsylvania, before I came here. Um, but I have a long-standing interest in public policy issues involving older people in particular, but also just is like old people. Um, when I retired, I thought I would be doing a lot of different things, and in some ways I am, um, but I saw the notice that they were looking for somebody to be the new president of Wisconsin AARP, and it just kind of rang a little bell, and I thought, you know, they talk about when you're retired, you should be a volunteer, and bring your skills to, uh, to the community in a volunteer role. And I looked at this and I thought, this is what I do. I mean, I've been doing this so long. And why do I have to reinvent myself when I can do what I like to do very well? So I agreed to, this, uh, to take this position for AARP. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there is an organization called AARP Wisconsin. People know about the national organization, and, um, but every state has uh, a state office, a state director, five or six or eight paid staff, and then a state president who's a volunteer and who leads a volunteer executive council. So that's what I'm doing, and I'm, frankly, I'm still learning my way. I started this at the beginning of April, but... I have to say I still am trying to find out exactly what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and it seems that I really can invent myself, so whatever it is that I choose to do. Um, I live in uh, Madison on the west side um, with my husband, and we are raising our grandson, who is 10 years old. So we joined the ranks of grandparents raising grandchildren when he was an infant. And he's now going into the fifth grade. And... Uh, we're still alive and well, and he seems to be thriving, so I think this might turn out to be good for all of us. Uh, we, um, uh, my husband is sort of retired and sort of not retired, and I won't take time to explain what that means because that would mean I would have to fully understand it. But he's somewhere between community organizing and uh, raising cattle near Blanchardville, so... He's happy, too. Sort of diverse. Uh, yeah, it's pretty diverse. Yes, it That's is. right. <laughs> so um, talking about AARP, the, 
the vision of AARP is simply to make life better for people as they age. And that's certainly a vision that I can, I can relate to mm-hmm. for myself and out of my experience. Um, I did hire Tom Frazier. And uh, yeah, he did. Very really. smart. Very smart. That's right. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I hired him, and I hired him principally to do public policy, um, and then sent him on his way to uh, um, be the director of the Coalition of Wisconsin Aging Groups, and many many other things since that time. Um, what I've discovered about AARP in these few months that I've had this position is that there is a pretty clear focus in the organization on health security and financial resilience, which I might not have understood if I weren't already retired, <laughs> and personal fulfillment, which I think I understand very well. Um, and the financial resilience is really about being able to bounce back when things are not going well, to be able to adjust to changes in the economy and changes in your own personal financial situation, like suddenly raising another child. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, there's lots of information and programs through AARP about those those issues. Um, When AARP does something, um, it's often felt that this is at the national level um, with Congress, when AARP wants something, they get it, mm. and that AARP is a real force to be reckoned with in Wisconsin. And what I have learned is that AARP is a force to be reckoned with, but that's largely because there are 50 state AARP associations, and uh, those individual associations, like Wisconsin AARP, really place a high value on being a successful advocate. And not every state supports the same issues, but we all stay within the umbrella of issues that have come out of the National Policy Committee. Uh, so, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the national you have national policy goals or objectives, mm-hmm. and then the states try to do that, but they might have their own agendas at the state level as well. Right. So there can be a state of Wisconsin agenda, or there can be a, a state uh, specific goal that falls under the broader um, umbrella okay. of a national. Um, uh, issue. The um, issues that are um, important, particularly right now, are, and, and because of a process, a deliberative process, uh, caregiving and the issues involving being a caregiver, um, both of children and grandchildren, as well as spouses and parents, uh, those are important issues, and there has been legislation introduced on behalf of AERP in Washington but also in the state of Wisconsin, AERP has been working uh, with the legislature on uh, getting support for family caregivers. Um, Now that support may take the form of tax credits, which is one of the things on the list that AERP is looking at. Um, I spent 38 years looking at the issue of support for caregivers through tax credits, and I'm kind of mystified about a good way to do that. But I think there is some interest in it, and maybe it will finally happen. 
I know there's a housing project, for example, that is being considered in Madison that is housing for grandparents raising grandchildren. I just heard about that yesterday, and, and uh, I was just dazzled yeah. that there could be enough uh, Sensibility? Yes. <laughs> well, actually, just enough people who would fill yes. up a housing unit. Yes. And I thought, boy, that would really be neat. Um, they combine a senior center and a youth center in the same building. It's, it's quite terrific. remarkable. I hope it comes through for Madison. Yep, I do too. That's a, that's a very good idea and a very interesting idea. The I'm, I'm sitting here looking at uh, a book called Disrupt Aging, which is written by the CEO of AARP, uh, Joanne Jenkins. And although that notion is not in the book, it should be. It can be its own chapter, the idea of developing housing mm -hmm. for grandparents raising grandchildren, which is very much what she speaks about uh, in her book and in her, uh, in her speeches around the country. The need to disrupt aging, the need to move out of our, of our very safe, uh, view of what old age is and and look at fulfilling ways to make aging more meaningful, but also to look at um, innovative uh, ways to address problems that may fit better with the people who today might consider themselves older people. And AARP now is very much about people 50 and older. <clears throat> so it doesn't I don't mind. I happen to be 71, so I feel like I missed the boat. But um, I can <laughs> I missed 20 years of benefit from the ARP, but I still can get on the train. Um, still, people still talk about that pivotal moment in their lives when the letter came from AARP mm -hmm. in their mailbox. Right. Um, and it's interesting when that pivotal moment comes. It's very typical and has been for many years that people will say, I'm not old, and I don't belong in AARP, and why would I want to join AARP? And what if people think I'm old? And Tom and I and others like yourself have spent a long time trying to persuade people that old age is not an illness, and it's certainly nothing negative. It's an accomplishment and one that people should take pride in. And um, that's sort of part of this disrupt aging notion as well, is that we don't want to hide the fact that we're old. We want to take advantage of it mm -hmm. and do what we can with this stage in our lives. One of the things that um, I think we can realize is that whatever you consider the age, 50, 60, 65, uh, when we have that magic birthday, the last thing we want to do is let people give us black balloons mm -hmm. and hold a funeral. I mean, I just think um, that's a terrible way to view old age. And I have found that my grandson takes advantage of this a little bit because he will say to somebody who's come to visit or whatever, do you know how old my nun is? And they'll say, no, but they're kind of embarrassed that he would talk about my age. Mm -hmm. Well, she's 71. Mm -hmm. And what he's waiting for is somebody to say, well, you don't look 71. And I think he's disappointed when they don't say that. But um, I've, I've come to understand I can't always expect that to be the response. But he's growing up with the idea that this is something to brag about. Right. And I think to the extent that we can get kids to do that, um, it's a good way to form their idea about this stage in life. Right. In that intergenerational context, we know from our own experience how valuable that is for both ages. Absolutely. And, uh, 
the idea, the old uh, Del Weber idea of segregating old people away from young people is uh, hopefully in our past that we right. need to be a part of our community and more uh, as a resource, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. yep. We can be. Just back to the policy for a minute. Mm -hmm. Just a second. We're in the midst of a very interesting election. <laughs> and I know AARP is doing some things, you know, mm -hmm. to uh, be involved in an election to protect Social Security and Medicare and programs like that. Can you speak to that just a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. I happen to have my own uh, visual. Social Security. <laughs> yep. Uh, some people may have seen this little Social Security card on posters and, and so on that says Social Security take a stand. And that's been a big campaign uh, of AARP. And around the state of Wisconsin, which had a lot of attention during the mm -hmm. presidential primaries and in many other states, when a candidate for president shows up, there will be AARP volunteers in their red shirts with a picture of a Social Security card that says, take a stand. They may not say anything. They may not have an opportunity to speak, but they are everywhere. And so the candidates have come to know that they need to respond. And what they've all been given information about is these are some ideas, 12 ideas for how Social Security can be preserved and protected until 2070. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's the magic year, but certainly there are many ways that we can protect um, and advance Social Security. We don't have to talk about it being bankrupt. It's kind of like the black balloons for your birthday when you yeah. get, it's always you know, the negative part of that. This, yeah. this perception that has been promoted that, that Social Security is is on its last legs. Well, on that note, I think we're going to have to wrap up a little bit, but uh, um, where can we get these materials and how can we be in contact with AARP? AARP Wisconsin, mm -hmm. which is what you want, yeah. uh, has a website, so you can just Google AARP Wisconsin. Um, you can ask about Social Security materials and you'll get a Take the Stand um, booklet. And uh, But the other place to look, maybe more important, is at the websites of the candidates because they've all been asked to put on their website what their position is for Social Security and how they are going to take a stand when they're president. What a good campaign. Yeah. I take a stand. stand. Yeah. And we need to take a stand in terms of our own advocacy for mm -hmm. older people Absolutely. as well. Donna, thank you so much for thank being you, Chris, here. Thank you, Tom. It's been thank great you. to be here. Good to see you. Good Thanks. to see you again. <coughs> Stay tuned. We'll be back uh, in just a moment.
welcome back to Senior Beat. We have another guest for you today, Rodrigo Valdida. Thank you, Rodrigo. We're so happy to have you here, even if I cannot pronounce your name correctly. Um, Rodrigo is a staff person at the Northeast Side Senior Coalition, and we've had several coalition folks on our program over the years. Um, but I don't think we've featured a wonderful program that you're doing at the Northeast Side Senior Coalition. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, thanks for having me. You're uh, welcome. Christine and Tom. Uh, so I started as the Latino Cultural Diversity Specialist at the Northeast Side Senior Coalition in November. Mm-hmm. And um, the program, we recruit seniors from all over Dane County, and we uh, get them, uh, support groups is what we host sec- every second and fourth Wednesday of the month. Mm-hmm. Typically, they're held at the Madison Senior Center. Uh, You've heard of that place before, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> every uh, once a quarter, we do go to the Fitchburg Senior Center for a diabetes group that we host. Uh-huh. Additionally, we have a bilingual bingo on the first Friday of every month. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how competitive that gets. <laughs> <laughs> They don't, they don't take too kindly if the cadence is off or, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's yeah, they, they have a certain speed they want this game to go yeah, at, too, yeah, don't exactly, they? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we try to bring in uh, guest speakers from the community, mm-hmm. um, sometimes intergenerational programs as well. I've, yeah. My brother works at the uh, University of, I mean, not, not the University, La Follette High School. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the Ola Club, which is Orgullo Latino. Mm-hmm. And in, in August, or in uh, May, one of my favorite ones that we've had so far, we brought in club members from the Ola Club at La Follette and came up with uh, six questions and had a dice. Uh, and then uh, each senior would go around the table rolling the dice, and then they'd have to answer whatever uh, number that, 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 yeah, that corresponded to. Uh-huh. And so it allowed them to open up and... Uh, the students themselves had to answer the questions as well. And so, so that exchange between the older folks and the younger folks. Yeah, I like how you put it that uh, intergenerational exchange is important for both the seniors and the high school students. Yeah, excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this program has been kind of a specialty of the Northeast Side Senior Coalition for quite a number of years. I don't know the years. Do you know how many long the program yeah, has been? I believe been? it started in 1993. Yeah. So it has a very fine history yeah. of reaching out to Latino seniors. And I was surprised when you said all of Dane County. It's not just the city of Madison anymore. It, it yeah. reaches out further into the county as well. Yeah, the Northeast side, um, it gives us the freedom to recruit uh, Latinos from all over Dane County. Right. Um, I'm filling in, my predecessor was Yolanda Salazar. Oh, she had been there since the start of the program, so right. there were some big shoes to fill. Yeah. But um, she really, the se- there's some seniors that have been going there for 15 years or longer. Yeah. And so they, um, she set the tone for the program. And, and basically I'm using much of the same framework that she established. Mm-hmm. And so it's been, um, the, the seniors are so patient and so kind and so friendly. And, uh, you know, they've, ever since they got there, they've adjusted wonderfully. Yeah. And so, um, you know. Every month, as, as the months go on, I get more and more comfortable in the position. I uh, have a better network to recruit from right. for the community. And I hope 
like to refer to, too, as well, because there are some issues that older Latino seniors may have that um, uh, where they can benefit from the many social services that are available. Yeah, yeah, we have case managers, uh, three bilingual case managers, actually. Yes. Um, and they, you know, actually my sister just recently got hired on as one of those case managers. Right. And so, um, you know, I would try to be the, the segue from the support groups into the case management in case there is and need. And the case management system is a more formalized social service system that requires uh, a plan and helps identify services and helps people get into and use those services. So yeah. it's, you know, the cultural diversity program in itself tends to be more of social and fun and getting to know people exactly. and doing the outreach to let them know of these services. Yes. And but as you get to know them, then you sort of sometimes find issues and problems and concerns that they have that you can refer yeah. to other places. What, what are some of the major issues that you see? I mean, is language, you know, one of yeah, the Yeah, language is certainly uh, one of the bigger issues. Um, many of our seniors m live with family and rely on that family. Um, one of the best things that we do is we offer them transportation. Um, without that, it's hard for them to get around. So um, certainly um, getting from place to place is, is difficult for them and and so um, certainly the uh, the language is is probably one of the things that that's hardest for them as um, you know many of them spent most of their lives in their home country and when you say home comfort country I was just commenting that I met a wonderful woman from Colombia yeah. uh, and I was surprised and but when you think about it uh, how many different countries are you working with have you yeah, looked we, at that we I, I was actually surprised about one of our populations we have um, you know naturally Mexicans uh, there's a lot of Mexicans but we also have a lot of Peruvians we have um, a whole table of Peruvians that enjoy yeah. sitting with each other and mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I didn't know that there was that uh, Peruvian population in Mexico. Mm -hmm. But we have El Salvador, um, Puerto Rico, you know, yeah. Ecuador, uh, basically from all over. So it's a melting pot of Latinos. Yes, everyone is welcome. It's great. Yeah. Would you make an invitation to anyone who happens to be watching to yeah. join you? Yeah. Bueno, mi nombre es Rodrigo. Cada mes, el segundo y el cuarto miércoles, Tenemos grupos de apoyo. Uh, recomiendo que, me, que se contacten conmigo. El número de NESCO es 608-243-5252 y mi extensión es 203. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, do you find that more and more of the agencies that serve uh, seniors do have some help with uh, translation and language for the seniors you research? There's, there's still a very high need for it. Mm -hmm. um, there are some agencies that don't have many bilingual mm -hmm. people on board. We were really lucky that we have three yeah. bilingual case managers. Yeah. Um, so that is still an issue, and, and I think one of the hard parts about my job is when I go to recruit speakers or people to come in, they have to be uh, able to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it a challenge, but um, one of the testaments to Jim Kruger, the executive director, and NESCO is that they let me, uh, they give me the freedom to network within the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
I, I'm now part of the Latino Health Council and LASUP, which is Latino Support Network. And um, that's really opened up my world to a, a whole group of uh, wonderful people in the community that are willing to give up their time and come and, and speak with the group. Very critical. Yeah. Imagine health issues are of a concern for that yeah. population as it is for any other senior population in terms of health translation must be a, a very high need. And think about trying to talk with a medical person and not understanding the language. It's yeah. Kind of our, it, our programs are trying to cater, you know, to education of wellness um, sometimes balance, you know, anything that, that can supplement their lives and help them live healthier lifestyles. Yeah, the preventive kinds yeah, of exactly. programs that keep people healthy. Exactly. And that might include the nutrition site or um, other, like you said, the balance classes to prevent yeah. falls and information about, you said you have a diabetes support group yeah, as well? Yeah, we have well. a diabetes support group. That's excellent. Correct. And, and tell me again where that is. Yeah, that's every uh, once a quarter. And that one is at the Fitchburg Senior Center. Wonderful. Good. And um, you gave that contact information in Spanish, but would you mm -hmm. do it in English so we might be able to help yep. get some folks there? The phone number at the Northeast Side Senior Coalition is 608-243-5252. Thank you. And would you just briefly talk about the other program that you have at Northeast Side Senior the other, Coalition? The uh, cultural diversity? Yes, yes. Yes, we also have an African-American cultural diversity program. Mm -hmm. And that is run by my colleague, Pam Bracey. Bracey, yes. And um, she, she does a lot. Of, I, I joined her once for one of her diabetes groups to mm -hmm. get a feel for how it's run. Mm -hmm. And uh, the respect that, that the seniors have for her and she for them mm -hmm. is, is amazing. They really right. rely on her. and. Right. And she, she does a lot for them as well. Yeah. Um, the African-American population does have a higher incidence rate of diabetes. Is that true, do you know, for the Latino population? Uh, it, it may be. Um, I'm not actually sure what the statistics are, but yeah. we, we do have quite a few individuals with diabetes. And, yeah. And so uh, it may be. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, of course, given the obesity situation, with uh, Americans, we probably have the highest rate of diabetes. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I think Mexico just recently overcame or you know overtook in terms of childhood obesity. So oh my gosh. These, these are issues that you know are going to continue to yeah. to it's affect worldwide, our people. Worldwide, worldwide. Yeah. Oh, kind of, yeah. Just I have a sense, and I want to have you confirm or deny that the Latino population in Madison and Dane County is growing. Is that true? Yes, it is so, growing. So, do you have any numbers on that? Like yeah, actually, I was just at a, at a meeting yesterday. Uh, it was for um, talking about Latinos living in Dane County. And it seems that, um, I mean, I know one of the stats that stuck out with me, one in five Madison uh, school district children are Hispanic. Uh, less than 70% graduate. Um, I know that uh, about 40% are born in Wisconsin, though, of the Latino population, and, mm -hmm. and so we're the, I know we're the fastest growing demographic uh, in the community. So the need for your program is actually getting greater all the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
And I, I think it is interesting when you look at the grandparents, the parents, and the children, you see the wave of diversity coming into our community. Yeah. And uh, you're helping to prepare for that, yeah, uh, I, I think. I lived in Madison uh, 25 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, a total of 20 years now. And mm -hmm. back then you could go to Woodman's and, you know, it'd be one Spanish speaker. You'd, you'd start up a conversation and now, you know, it's everywhere. And yeah. it's starting to, to grow yeah. and you're seeing a lot more of it than before. Yeah. And do you do you feel that uh, Madison is a welcoming community to this population as well? I do well? think so. I do think so. I think Madison is a great city, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been here for that as long as I have been, but I, I do think it's welcoming. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, from my experience with my seniors, I believe that they are great. very welcoming. Well, thank you for offering this very special and unique program for our Latino seniors in our community. And uh, again, uh, please contact Rodrigo uh, should you wish or have wish to join in on any of these events. And also, if you know of someone who could benefit from these programs. Thank you so much for being with Thanks us. Thanks for having me, Christine and Tom. Thank you. See you next month on Senior Beat.